Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. How are you today? It's so good to be with you. I wish you could answer me through the uh, video or the station, uh, the radio station, the video, but you certainly can call in and you know anything that's on your heart, no matter what it is. Um, right after the first break, we take your calls, your texts, your emails, um, and I would I always love hearing from you. If I don't have an answer, we will get the answer or we'll help you to get the answer. So, um, and sometimes um, we we just need to leave the answer with God because some things, some things are a mystery. You know, when I was coming into the church, the priest that helped me and received me into the church, he's deceased now a few years. It was Monsignor James T. O'Connor, the author of The Hidden Manna and... Um, uh, oh, um, land of the living, and uh, some other things. Just a, a brilliant and holy priest. And every once in a while, I would say to him, "Well, why this and why that?" And he'd say to me, "You know, some things are a mystery. It's just a mystery." And to me, it was a cop out. It was uh, the same as my mother, my Jewish mother, when we grew up, saying, "I would say, Ma, why this, why that?" And she'd say, "Don't ask." To me, to say it's a mystery was the same as it's the Catholic way to say don't ask. (laughs) I'm joking, of course, but um, we're finite and our creator is infinite. And sometimes the best we can do is uh, take a good guess. Why did he allow evil? Why, 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 why? All these things. We We can say the fruit of things. We can understand things from... Uh, uh, the things that he has made, that he has revealed of himself, and in giving any answer, we know that he's loving, he gave his son. He, we know that he's all-wise. We know that he's eternal. We know that he had no beginning, he has no end. Uh, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He's everywhere. We know those things about God. So whatever we guess that we don't know cannot go against what we do know. It, it still needs to fit with what we know of God, and it can't, cannot contradict that. And I'll tell you what one of those mysteries is. It's the Eucharist. Well, it's before the Eucharist that God became man. It's, uh, it's, you know what today is, beloved? Do you know what today is? Today is Thursday. Yes, I know. And it is Thursday, June 20th, 2019. But it is the day of Corpus Christi. Today, not Sunday, today is the Feast of Corpus Christi, the, um, the feast that remembers and reenacts the Last Supper of Jesus at the cross when he instituted the priesthood and the Eucharist and uh, had the last Passover meal with his disciples, which is, which is why it's called the, the Last Supper. It was the last Passover Supper of the Old Covenant, and the first of the New. What do you mean the Passover New? The Mass. Our Lord gave us himself, the New Covenant, in his blood. 
and that is the new covenant in his blood that the prophet Jeremiah prophesied. Um, And the mass is the Passover fulfilled in the true Passover lamb. Now, I'm saying an awful lot. Those of you who are Catholic and know your faith know what I'm talking about. Um, Those of you who are not or do not understand your faith, I'm talking too fast to maybe for you to put it all together, but because I want to leave room for telling you a story. And the story is of myself. Um, When I was... Uh, before I was a Christian at all. Now, I I know I I don't have too long to tell you this, so I'm going to leave an awful lot out, but there's uh, one particular, two incidences I I want to get to with you. Before I was a Christian at all, um, I, uh, well, too much of a story, but um, one day, uh, to my shock, I met these so-called, and not so-called, they are called Jews for Jesus, Jewish people of all people on the earth who believe that the Messiah came 2,000 years ago, that God became man and came to earth. There's no way you can believe that. If you're Jewish, you know that you cannot look on God and live and that no man can be God. And for a year and a half, they told me that... Hold on a moment. For a year and a half, they told me that... Christ died for my sins and your sins. I didn't even know what the language meant. I looked it up in the dictionary. Christ, I found out, was the English translation of Messiah. That blew me away a little bit. I looked up died, D-I-E-D, for, F-O-R, my, M-Y, sins. I looked up every word. I speak English. I used to help teach English, but couldn't make sense out of it. And so one night I was together with these 12 Jews for Jesus, and we were at a um, Hawaiian restaurant in Santa Monica, And they started in on me again. Roz, my given name, Rosalind. Roz, um, he died. He loves you. He died for your sins. He died for our sins. And I I stopped him that night and I said, okay, 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 okay. I have no idea. I'm not bilingual. I have no idea what that sentence means. I know what words are. I have no idea what that sentence means. You're talking a foreign language. And I said to them, let's say, for the sake of this discussion, He died for my sins, your sins, the sins of the world, whatever that language means. My question then is, what for? Why would someone, what is somebody thinking to go on a cross and do that? What are they thinking? And so they took me for two and a half hours, and I didn't say a word, believe that, for two and a half hours. I listened to them to find out what on earth it is they believe and how they put these pieces together So they went right back to the Garden of Eden, told me about the fall. I knew about the fall uh, in my Jewish life, but I never understood the consequences of that fall in our life and how it plunged the human race into sin and separation from God. And they explained to me, we come into the world now through original sin. I hope I'm not going too fast, but I, I need to get this to you because of Corpus Christi. And one day I'll go five minutes at a time. They explained to me that we come into the world separated from God, and if we leave the world that way, we will be separated from him for all eternity because we're sinful, and God cannot come into the presence of sin. The soul that sinneth, saith the scriptures, shall die. They gave scriptures for two and a half hours, some from the Old Testament, some from the New. The Old Testament, I didn't know the scriptures, but I, I knew what they were, I understood what they said. Well, not not everything. It was new to me. A lot of it was new, 
And then the New Testament, I didn't even know they were quoting scripture. They said that the wages of sin is death. And I thought to myself, uh, the wages of sin, a wage is a salary. It's a payment. It's coming to you. It's coming to you. You've earned it. You deserve it. And they're telling me that if God were fair, if I got what's coming to me, I'd be dead. I'd be dead because the wages of sin is death. And oh, they, went, they said God is a holy, just God who must punish sin, but that he is also a loving God who created us for relationship with himself. And that night, those Jews for Jesus, who I thought were just fanatics, those Jews, I thought they were neurotic, excuse me, but it was such an offense to me. They took me through the Old Testament sacrificial system, which I never knew through all my years in the synagogue, growing up, all of that. And they um, they explained to me how God gave the law. I have to cut out tons of things here for you. But they explained to me how God gave the law and how he required the Jewish people to come and offer sacrifices for sin, just as the lamb had to be slain and the blood put on the doorposts, the lentils of the Jewish homes, so that the angel of death at the 10th plague would pass over those homes because the blood of the lamb died in the stead, took the place of the firstborn. And so they said, in order for their sins to be forgiven, they needed to bring all kinds of animal sacrifices, but in this case, a lamb, a one-year-old like the Passover lamb, a one-year-old male lamb without blemish, without spot, they were to bring that little lamb. I have lambs all over this convent, and I don't have with one with me today because I didn't plan to show you one, but I'm going to just say, here's they, they would bring that little four-legged lamb. Can you see me? Yes. Okay, am I in the camera? So they bring the four-little lamb. What they would do is put there, they would bring the lamb perfect without spot, representing a perfect holy offering for perfect holy God. They bring that little four-legged, one-year-old creature to the priest in the um, uh, the holy place, in the tabernacle, in the temple. And they'd put their hand, they'd put their hand, here's the little lamb, it's right under me, here. They'd put their hand on the head of the lamb. And it was a symbolic act, symbolic of the sins passing from the individual on to that lamb. And that lamb, who was innocent, symbolized by his having no blemish or spot, but who, again, symbolically, had taken our sins upon himself, that lamb was then slain. And the blood of that animal shed on the altar as an offering to God in payment for our sin. And I didn't understand. I said, why would a God, why would God call, um, put to death an innocent animal, put me to death? I didn't understand that, but I began to get the the idea that sin is no uh, light matter to God. And they explained to me for 1,500 years of the Mosaic covenant of that law that there were millions and millions of lambs, millions of lambs brought to Jerusalem. And in Passover, everyone had to have a lamb and 4,000 feet high uh, Jerusalem, the blood of those lambs drenched the hills of Jerusalem. And they said to me that not any of those lambs could pay for sin. They were dead animals. A million, millions and millions of lambs could never take away our sin. They were a covering, Yom Kippur, the highest holy day of the Jewish year. 
Yom Day, Kippur covering. They were a covering for our sins in light of the one to come. But they could never take away sin. They were dead. And they explained to me that all of them, one of them or all of them together could never take away sin. But one and all of them together were a sign to point to the one who would one day come and take upon himself not the sin of one little sinner temporarily for a time which had no um, effectiveness. Uh, it, it had no power to change the heart, to change the sinner. They'd go home and sin again, 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 bring lambs again, again, again. But they said they never had power to do that or to save. But every one of them were assigned to point to the one who would one day come and take upon himself the sin of the entire world. Oh, my goodness. Crucifix is all over here, too, and I don't have one with me. So here we go. This is a crucifix. Just pretend it's a crucifix. Whereas the millions of lambs through 1,500 years of the Old Testament could not take away the sin of man. And yet all of them together were a sign to point to the one who would one day come and take upon himself the sin of the whole world. And then they went to one verse with me in the New Testament, which, of course, I never heard in my life before. And when Jesus came into the Jordan and John the Baptist was baptizing and looked at him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb, the Lamb to which all millions of Old Testament lambs pointed, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. At that moment, beloved, I was, I, I couldn't speak, I couldn't stand up, I, I was shaking, I couldn't believe what I had heard. I thought to myself, if one little lamb could take away the sin of a single sinner temporarily for a time, what then could the blood, oh, I wish I could show you a crucifix, you just picture that, could the blood of God's Son do? Well, actually, I have a rosary here, and at least I can hold up on my rosary. Yeah, I know you can't see it. A little cross. I'm going to take it off for you. I don't want to take up time, but oh my goodness, there. Let me see if I can put it up. You see? Can you see that? I think you can see that. That's my cross from my crucifix. That's the Lamb of God. And all our sins transferred to the Lamb of God, the sins of the whole world, transferred, not symbolically, but truly, to the Lamb of God, who became our sin offering, who died for our sins, not his, he had none. Um, And he rose from the dead to give us life. I gave my life to him. It's so much of a story. I was completely transformed. I could not believe that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who no man could look on and live, that that God became man, took on flesh for us men and for our salvation. And I believed it, and I became an evangelical Protestant. Now, today is the Feast of Corpus Christi, and I'm in a nun's habit because I became Catholic, and I became a nun. And today is the Feast of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, as an evangelical Protestant, who could believe that you look a little wafer and it's God? Who could believe it's God? Well, it's weed and water. It is a little wafer. But at the words of consecration of the priest, God, 
through the priests, just as he held himself in his own hands at the Last Supper. He took bread and broke it and said, This is my body, and bread obeyed. And he took the chalice and he said, This is my blood, and wine obeyed. Just as he said, Let there be light, and the heavens obeyed, and there was light. God creates, he speaks the world into existence. He creates by his word. And in his hand, bread, the matzah, the unleavened bread of the Passover table, became his body and blood. This is my body. And every priest that is rightly ordained to be a priest, at the moment of consecration, when he holds up that round little wafer, which would have been a flat unleavened matzah, at the Passover table, and he says, this is my body, if we could see with our eyes what our faith understands, we wouldn't see the priest at all, because Christ is the high priest and he is the victim. And it is Christ, the high priest, saying through his human instrument, this is my body, and bread becomes God. You want me to explain it? Forget it. Uh, We'd be here a thousand worlds, and we still wouldn't have the answer. It's what God has done. We can describe it, transubstantiation. We can figure out what that means, all of that. But we'll never ultimately understand it, never. And so uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a triune God, the triune God of Abraham, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can talk about that in another program, how one God is not three gods, but one, and he is a trinity. He is a plurality, not just of majesty, but of persons. And so um, where am I going with this? So there I was, an evangelical Protestant, listening to Catholics, and I realized one day that if the God who is not man, he's spirit, but he became man, it is uh, almost, that's an infinite, incredible thing. It's almost a finite thing for him to take one step further of condescension and become our food. If God could become man, he can't, and, and remain God, he cannot become, appear to us in the form of a wafer and remain God? Well, he can. And so it was in the 13th century, the year, oh, 1264, that a pope by the name of Pope Urban IV declared Corpus Christi to be a holy day, and it's been a holy day of obligation until these last years following the Second Vatican Council. It grieves me no end. It's been moved to Sunday. These significant, significant days have been moved to Sunday because everybody's in church Sunday. It's a holy day of obligation. And on Thursday, not everybody could take off work or doesn't want to anyway. I tell you, I want the the faith has given in to the devil's ways. Our shepherds have given in. We have been robbed of the faith. When I grew up in my Jewish home, we weren't Orthodox, we were conservative. But we, no matter what, we stayed home on holy days, high holy days. We you couldn't make us go to school on Yom Kippur, on Rosh Hashanah, pass we wouldn't go. Those were high holy days for us. And we worship God. And he came before work and school and play and everything else. It was not even an issue. In fact, where I went to school, it was a highly Jewish area in my public school. And so many Jews were out on the high holy days, they actually made it a school holiday. 
and all the other children had the day off and could go play because they didn't celebrate that. But we did. We lived our faith, and the world was affected by it. The schools were changed. The stores were changed. Everything was affected by it. There was no one in the ball fields if you were Jewish on the team. No. You worshipped God. You went to synagogue. You stayed home with your family, and you worshipped God. And you were together. We are Israel. The church is Israel, founded on Jewish roots. Israel spread through its Messiah to the four corners of the earth. And we have stopped letting the world who know who we are. No Catholic should be working today. No. No Jewish deli should be open today because the most Jewish anyone could be is to be Catholic. You see? But my, I go to a Latin parish. I go to a Tridentine parish. And they have moved Corpus Christi to Sunday. No procession today. Sunday. I am utterly, utterly, utterly grieved with that. Can you see today Catholics off work and, or at the very least, taking time to go to Mass and be part of a Corpus Christi procession? At the very least, tell their employees they must have three days, three hours off at the very least. And if the employee said you can't, say, well, I can't work here then. I know you have families. I know all of that, the support. But the problem is we haven't lived it all this time or it would have been worked out. We have destroyed and eliminated our witness in the world. And you see, what's Thursday? Why is everybody dressed up? Why are the churches? Why are the churches full? Why are these people with the Eucharist, the Eucharistic procession and priests and people and, and everybody walking through the streets, setting up little stations all over the place. What, what's going on? What, what am I missing? What's going on in the world today that I haven't read in the news? You see, the world would know that there is still a people of God who worship him. We go to church on Sunday. We move everything to Sunday. Nobody knows. I was talking to some Catholics the other day. I said, Sunday, you'll have Corpus Christi. What's, oh, really? I didn't realize that. Just awful. Oh, I beg. I beg cardinals, the Pope, bishops, priests, go back to the faith and bring your people back to the faith. It is so, so grievous. And it was why Pope uh, Urban IV instituted the Feast of Corpus Christi, because that is Holy Thursday. That is Holy Thursday. But so much on Holy Thursday is uh, combined with the triduum, the tridium, the three days of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, right up till the Easter Vigil, we're so focused on so much, as we should be, that the body and blood of Christ kind of gets lost somehow. And so Pope Urban IV uh, instituted a special uh, feast day for Corpus Christi and that the idea that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob became man, took on flesh, and then an act of love no one will ever fathom became our food. It's just un. It's unbelievable, except by God's grace, it's believable, which is why I'm Catholic. Listen to this. Father Monsignor James O'Connor, who led me into the church, many people did, especially my brother David and um, 
and and others for sure. Scott Hahn had a huge role in that. Um, uh, but it was uh, not but, but and Monsignor James O'Connor. He's the author of The Hidden Manna. It is the chronology of the development of the theology of the Eucharist. That's a mouthful. It, you should get it. It's published by Ignatius Press. Hidden, the Hidden Manna, and that's in Revelation chapter 2. The Hidden Manna, the manna that, with which God fed his people, the manna through uh, the desert for all their years of wandering. That is what's called the Hidden Manna because it is now Christ hidden in the form of bread and wine the hidden manna, but it is our spiritual food. And Monsignor wrote this in his book, uh, The Hidden Manna, and he introduced the, the feast of Corpus Christi by introducing the Pope who wrote it, and he said this, <clears throat> Urban Fourth is responsible for decreeing the... Se- oh, oh, dear. It's earlier than I thought it was. There's our break, beloved. I'm going to read this to you. It's not long at all. It's three little paragraphs as soon as we come back from the break. And then, I can't miss this. You can't miss this. It's too wonderful for words, but it's in words. So I'll read it to you. As soon as we come back from the break, our lines, our phone lines are wide open. Go ahead, beloved, and call in at one 877 Text at that number as well. Or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. In the New Testament second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, we read, Each must do as already determined, without sadness or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Your heartfelt gift to the Station of the Cross can be doubled, as many companies offer gift-matching programs for their employees' charitable donations. Please check with your employer to see if gift-matching is an option for you. If you are retired, be sure to check with your former place of employment, as some companies will even match the donation of their retired employees. Thank you for supporting the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Uh, this is... Um, uh, welcome back to Mother Miriam Live. And just before the break, we were speaking about this blessed feast today. It's a first-class feast, which most of the church does not know about because they're not keeping, they have done away with uh, uh, so many, so many feasts. Even um, the Novus Order, the New Mass, has done away with so much. But even the extraordinary form uh, is accommodating our fallen society and is doing away with uh, celebrating Corpus Christi on its feast day and having a procession that would be such a sign to the world. People would, what are these people doing? What's happening here? And we'd have a chance to tell them of the God who loved us and gave himself for us and continues to give himself for us at every Mass and bring himself to us. I'm going to take your calls and emails, but I, I wanted to read this to you first. This is uh, uh, right from uh, Monsignor James O'Connor's book, The Hidden Manna, <clears throat> because he he reprints the whole, it's called Transitoris. That's the, the bull, B-U-L-L, the, the writing of Pope Urban IV. And I've just clipped a little bit out of it that speaks of the Eucharist. And Father O'Connor writes, he's Monsignor, but he never liked he never liked that title, so he said, you call me Father. He says, Urban the Fourth is responsible for decreeing the celebration of the Feast of Corpus Christi throughout the entire Church and for commissioning St. Thomas Aquinas to write l- the liturgical office for the same feast. The extension of the feast, which had originated in Belgium in the Diocese of Liege in the 1240s, was accomplished by the publication of Urban's bull, Transitoris, arguably, Monsignor says, arguably the most beautiful document on the Eucharist ever composed by a successor of Peter. Now, right from the middle of that document, beloved, I took this, this quote. Listen, listen up. It, 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 it's enough to transport us to heaven. <clears throat> oh, the immensity. And I read this, beloved, before I was Catholic. I was reading it. That's the priest that helped me into the church, that received me into the church. This I read this maybe a month before I was Catholic. Oh, the immensity of divine love, the excess of divine piety, the abundance of divine generosity, For the Lord has given us all the things that lie beneath our feet and has given us dominion over all creatures on the earth. He has ennobled and raised the dignity of man above the ministries of the angelic spirits. For they are administrators destined to minister unto those who have inherited salvation. And since his munificence toward us was so great, still willing to demonstrate with particular liberality his exuberant love for us, he revealed himself to us. Then, drum roll, drum roll, then, transcending 
even the fullness of generosity, he gave himself as our food. O singular and admirable liberality, when the giver, capital G, giver comes as the gift and is himself completely given with the gift. What great, even prodigal generosity when anyone gives himself. I tell you, beloved, I read that word prodigal and my heart exploded. I know about the love of God. I'm sure we don't have a, we can't begin to fathom it. Prodigal? I thought of the prodigal son. What did he do? He was reckless. He was a spendthrift. He gave everything away, irresponsibly, prodigal, just wasted his father's inheritance. And here, Pope Urban is saying, prodigal. What great prodigal generosity when anyone gives himself. Prodigal. That's God's love for us. He's a spendthrift. He wastes it. He pours it out on us recklessly. He doesn't hold back. Wow. Therefore, Urban IV says, he gave himself as nourishment so that, listen, since man had fallen through death, he might be lifted up to life through food. Man fell by means of the food of the death-giving tree. Man is raised up by means of the food of the life-giving tree. On the former hung the food of death. On the latter, the nourishment of life. The latter is the cross, beloved. Eating of the former earned a wound. The taste of this latter restored health. Eating wounded us, and eating healed us. See how the cure has come forth whence the wound arose, and life has come forth whence death entered in. Indeed, about that eating in the garden, it was said, on whatever day you eat it, you shall die. But about this eating, that is the Eucharist, the Lamb of God, God in human flesh. About this eating, he has spoken. If anyone eats this bread, he shall live forever. Those are our words, Lord. Our Lord's words in John chapter 6. He who eats this bread shall live forever because my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. It is not symbolic. It comes to us, he comes to us in the form of a little round wafer because if he came to us in the form of fleshly bleeding heart, we would be repulsed. We couldn't eat it. If he came to us, he came to us as a form, in the form of man, one of us, so we could receive him. If he came to us as God, we would perish. We couldn't receive him at all. He did come to us as God, but in the form of a man. Otherwise, we would perish. When you feed a little baby, you get little baby food that you can't feed them a, a chunk of steak or big potato or they can't eat it. You, you, you feed them based on what they can receive. And that's what God did with us. Today, beloved, I wish, I'm telling you what I wish, every Catholic would leave the office, would leave shopping, would leave the stores, 
and go to Mass. And if Mass is over, go adore him and then go home or have a little procession or do something and teach your family what today is in memory of. There's the break for our second music, beloved. It's going to be very quick. And then I promise you, I'll take your calls and emails. The rest of the time will be just ours together. Call in one 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. Accuracy of our donor information is important to us at the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Please let us know if recent changes have been made to your payment information so that we can better serve you as you continue to bless us with your financial support. Update your information today at thestationofthecross.com or by calling 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. This is Father Yatsuk Mazur. Please join me in excerpts from a prayer by St. Ephraim of Syria. O Lord, Master of my life, grant that I may not be infected with the spirit of slothfulness and inquisitiveness, with the spirit of ambition and vain talking. Grant instead to me, your servant, the spirit of purity and of humility, the spirit of patience and neighborly love. For you are blessed now and forever. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. So good to be with you. Now it's all ours. We have... Oh, a little less than 20 minutes, but we're going to get to you as fast as we can. So we have an email from someone who writes it anonymous and says, how do I help someone with severe anxiety and fear? Well, again, I don't know who the someone is. Uh, see, sometimes when you call in instead of email, I can ask you these questions um, or what their age is. I'm, I'm guessing it's an adult. I don't know if they're Catholic. I'm going to assume they're an adult and they're Catholic and they have severe anxiety and fear. 
uh, I would help them get to a good, if it's severe like that, a good psychologist or even a psychologist, psychiatrist who can give them uh, medication to help with it. They'll need other help, but people are afraid to take medication and afraid to be knocked out or, you know, slow of thinking. But there are medications that don't do that, that really help so that someone with severe anxiety and fear can really live a normal life if it's severe like that. So I I would say first the person needs medication. I don't know if they're taking it. Hopefully they have a good psychologist to speak with. God, that doesn't mean they're not trusting God. God provides professionals for us like that. Um, We have a novena here, uh, and uh, if you don't have a copy of it, we'll send you one. Um, It's called the Novena of Surrender. It was given by our Lord to a priest many years ago, and it's uh, it's uh, subsequently called the uh, Jesus You Take Over. Uh, it's a really very wonderful, extremely healing, and we have we have many copies here. In fact, we've got extras. So, if you wish, just write us. You can go to our website, which is www.motherofisraelshope.org, and click on. Uh, contact and our email is up there and just email us. That's probably the best way rather than calling. You can call, but, um, the, it might take a while, while first to get back with you. But if you email it to us and give us your address, we will put it in the mail to you. Um, we, they cost us, it's terrible, 795 each. We had a, a few thousand of them printed in India, and we would give them to you at four, $4 each, including um, postage. But don't worry about that. If you want 10 of them and you only have $4, you send us $4 and it'll cover postage if you can, and we'll send you 10. Or if you don't have the postage, just say, don't have any money. We'll put them in the mail to you. I don't want you to worry. Money will never hold anything back. Never. All right, unless our Lord wants it to be held back. So we've got plenty of them, and I, I, I'll invite anybody else to write the Novena of Surrender. It's absolutely fantastic. And um, hold on. I happen to have a book here. It's right on the floor. It fell off my bookshelf. Maybe God knew I was going to talk about it today, but this is it. Let me see how I can show it to you. I'm getting used to the camera. I knew it this. Here you go. It's the Novena of Surrender, Jesus, You Take Over. And it's a full uh, four-color booklet. It's really fantastic with uh, Padre Pio and St. Faustina, lots of other things. So you're welcome to do that. Go on our website. I'll give it once more, www.motherofisraelshope.org. And um, I'm not worried if I just announced it publicly and a 100 of you write, we have that many. Okay. And then um, you might look up some of the saints who also had anxiety and fear, all right? And begin to, I don't know how well this person knows their faith. I don't know how well they know the love of God. Um, But we need to find out the source of that anxiety and fear. But again, at first, I think they should probably get medical help. And um, because sometimes we can't begin to even reason or or work it out until we are feeling like a normal person again. And and medication helps that, not to be drugged, but to feel a lot more normal. I think this novena is going to help. Um, and maybe also speak to a priest or a spiritual director and, and let him begin to help. So that person is not going through this alone. 
We have an email from Elizabeth who says, congratulations on the new show. I will pray for you even more. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. And add Mr. Weston, that's John Henry Weston, the uh, editor-in-chief of LifeSite News, and the team at LifeSite to my prayers, too. Well, bless you, Elizabeth. And she says, I have a question for you, and gives a little backstory. It's just a bit lengthy, so I'm really going to run through this email. Um, and so we, we have time. I have a business associate whom I value as a powerful person, now a friend. This colleague is mostly a secular Jew until uh, his passing last year. She loyally attended High Holy Days with her beloved father. This person, a secular Jew, but until her father's passing, I guess, um, she loyally attended High, High Holy Days with her beloved father. Um, this person, but she's already notified that it's a she, so I'm going to, she says this person, I'm just going to say she because she said it's a she, is very strong, very intelligent, very opinionated, very dominant and articulate. And although we've spoken about many things, she often tolerates the fact that I am Catholic, like they are waiting for me to become enlightened of my error and blinking walk into the light of the last 500 years. I'm not sure what that is, a blinking walk into the light of last 500 years because you're Catholic and not Protestant. So I don't know what that is. So they know I am a believer in Jesus. And at times it has been brought up and I have spoken honestly about my love of the church and our lady in the Eucharist and without our Jewish brothers and sisters in the faith and their devotion to the faith of um, the Old Testament. How would the New Testament Christians ever know what the Lamb of God even meant? Well, I'm just going to throw in a comment there. There's no such thing as a New Testament Christian who is not an Old Testament Christian. They are one. It's the Bible. Those, the books written um, speaking of the Old Covenant and the books written uh, of the Old Covenant that points to the New and the the New Testament written of the fulfillment of the Old Covenant in the New, they're together. One day, she writes in particular, this person was more driven or pressing than usual to engage in conversation outside the business which we professionally interact that she wanted to tell me she said you know i think these jews for jesus are people who want their feet in both camps just in case and these people are hypocrites she said to me decide already you know you can't have it both ways um hearing the tension and anger in her voice and having the business for that day drawing to a close i chose not to engage much further just ask why it had um so much significance as she clearly cared about the topic. She said, because they just should know you cannot have it both ways. I could see we may not have some, uh, we may have not have some common ground. So I left her with a smile and a final thought. They are only wrong. They are wrong, she said to her friend, if he, Jesus, is not the Messiah. But if he is, both camps are the same camps. So now her question, do you have a suggestion on how I might engage in helping this person see Jesus through new eyes. Um, well, you cannot help her see Jesus through new eyes, uh, dear Elizabeth. Only Jesus can help us see him through new eyes. That's our Lord's work. But what you can do is can, you've, you've gone on a perfect route. I had somebody interview me here who's an Orthodox Jew, came to the Priory and said, how do you deal with it? How do you live in two worlds? I'm Jewish and I'm Catholic. I said, I can't deal with that. I couldn't live in two worlds. I don't live in two worlds. If if And I said to her, you're waiting for the Messiah, aren't you? She said, yes, we are. I said, well, when he comes, won't it be the most Jewish thing for you to do to believe in him? She said, well, yeah. I said, will you be living in two worlds? And she stopped to think. Um, well, 
maybe not. I said, no, maybe not. If you come to believe that the Messiah has come, it's the most Jewish thing to do to believe in him. You don't leave your world for another world. You don't do that. No, no. It's the same world. And um, it's it's a fulfilled world that you really know the Jewish Messiah. So um, keep, uh, keep uh, loving her. Keep living your faith. And try to give her Roy Shoman's books, two of them. One is called Salvation is from the Jews. The other is called Honey from the Rock, 16 Jews who entered the Catholic Church because they believe it's not the rejection, but the fulfillment of Judaism. And your life, Elizabeth, um, will speak to her more than anything else. Let her fight it, because she's going to. But she can't fight what you have. That's why I, as a Jew, in 1976, went up to these what I thought were neurotic Jews because they were Jews who believed in the Messiah. I knew they were wrong. But as I watched them, they had something I didn't have. Of course, the something was someone, but I didn't know that, and I didn't even want to know it. But they had a purpose to live that I didn't have. They knew why mankind was on the earth. They knew about the, they knew all that. Um, eventually, if you treat her with love and you compromise not one iota on your faith in time, I had a Jewish friend, she wouldn't allow me to mention the name of Christ or my faith again. She said, Roz, Rosalind, if you, you, you want us to be friends, I know what you believe now, never talk about it again. And I never did. Ten years, I visited her in another state. And she said, how are you doing? And I said, if I tell you how I'm doing, I'm going to have to tell you what I'm doing, and that has to do with my faith. And she said, I want to know. I said, no, I don't want to offend you. She said, I want to know. It's one thing to think you're going through a phase and you've you've gone offshore, but it's another thing, ten years. This is not a passing phase. I want to know what it is you believe. It's miraculous. It may take time. Don't be impatient. We have a call from John on the line. Hello, John. Hi, Mother. Um, it's um, always so exciting for me to talk to you. I've had a couple of short conversations. Yes, I know. I know. I'm glad to hear from you again, dear one. And um, I, I, I just want to, I just have to say that some 20 plus years ago, I had a supernatural event, and I was handed one of your tapes, and it changed my life. So I just want you to know that. Wow. Isn't God good? And you see, John, dear one, let me just interrupt you a moment, because you've just made my heart sore. We never know. We're faithful to God, and what he does is his business. And I just want to comment to Elizabeth you be faithful, Elizabeth. You will never know what God will do in that co-worker's heart. Okay, dear John, go ahead, sweetie. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's exactly right. Now, I, I've listened to you for years and years and years, and I know that you're humble, and God bless you for that. And But I just wanted to bring up, the other day you, ha- you gave some advice, and then the following day, you I think it was the following day, you said, well, guess what? I was wrong. Yes. And to me, um, this is where I want to blow your horn or uh, compliment you. To me, that's heroic. And um, 
I, I guess to put this in the form of a question, I would say, why do you think that after the 50s and the 60s, I'm 68 years old, I've been through the sexual revolution, I know everything yeah. that's going on, and, yeah. and, 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 and after everything that's happened, and it's become so evident, so evident that it's happened, why don't you think more clergy just go out and say, I'm sorry, we were wrong. Yeah. Is it pride? Or is it pride on their part? It's pride. It's pride. It's fear. It's wanting to worrying about what people think of you more than what they think of God and more than saving souls. And it's it's despicable. It's shameful. It's despicable. It's sinful. And so um, I can't answer for any individual bishop or priest or or higher up, but. Uh, it's it's um, that person cares nothing about souls, period. Their own they care. They don't even care about their own soul because um, they're not even repenting before God. They just want a certain status, or they want uh, people to keep keep the status quo quo and not have everybody come after them and and be disappointed in them. Whatever it is, we we don't want to publicly air our sins. But the fact is that um, James, God's right. God writes in the book of James, don't be too many teachers because you will be more accountable. And a bishop as a successor of the apostle is unbelievably accountable, absolutely accountable. And if you would look up, John, I mentioned this yesterday. I, I wanted to read it now. If we had more time, I'd read it not right now because it fits your question. But we've got one minute to the end of the program and I just say to everybody if you want a description of today look up the second uh, book of Timothy 2nd Timothy chapter 3 the first 17 verses 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 17 you will see a description of this day it's it's just astounding John it's heartbreaking it's grievous and it 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 rightly should deserve our anger but also as lay people we need to go to our bishops on our knees and plead with them to be the men of God God has called them to be. I love you, John. There's our ending music. We've got to go, sweetheart. We'll speak with you all tomorrow. God bless you.